What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Football MD Podcast. I am Dan Ronan, your host, with my co-host, as always, Mike Bowling. We are here to review week 13 of the NFL. We're going to give you everything you may have missed and all the crucial takeaways so you're well-informed going forward for your playoff runs and for the upcoming end of the season and playoff season. Before I do that, you know we got to direct you guys to our social media pages. That's the Instagram page, the Facebook page, and the Twitter account at FootballMDPod. And always visit our website at FootballMDPodcast.com. We have tons of information there for you. And keep an eye out for, one, the Week 14 preview episode coming out Saturday morning. And also the upcoming preview that we're going to do with Christopher Ronan, our college football specialist on the college football playoffs, breaking down everything you can expect from the two matchups, Alabama versus Oklahoma and Clemson and Notre Dame. That's all in the near future, but for today, let's get straight into the Week 13 review where we start off with the Thursday night game, New Orleans Saints at Dallas, losing 10-13 to to the Dallas Cowboys. And we'll start off with the Saints out of the ball. Obviously, this was a down game for them. Drew Brees said in, an in, in the post-game interview that him and the offense never really found their rhythm and it looked the part. You'd rather have those down games now than in the playoffs. So shake it out. The New Orleans Saints are going to be fine. All the guys are still top guys in their position. Kamara, Michael Thomas, Andrew Brees. And lastly, let's just, let's just note that they weren't playing a scrub team. They were playing the Dallas Cowboys, who have been hot as of late, and their defense has been playing stellar football. And speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, I really don't have much to note in terms of fantasy purposes from their performance. The really only thing of note for me was Michael Gallup, who posted season highs in targets, receptions, as well as his second highest yardage total of the season, and now has 18 targets over the last three games. We said it last week that he was worth a roster spot going into the playoffs with some favorable matchups ahead, and I know it's unlikely that you'll be fully confident in starting him this season, but we may finally be seeing him start to come on as the season comes to an end. And now right into our next Next matchup from week 13, the Baltimore Ravens beating the Atlanta Falcons 24-16. Lamar Jackson has just one passing touchdown over his first three starts, but continues to get it done with his legs with no less than 71 rushing yards over that three-game span. So the Ravens are now 3-0 under quarterback Lamar Jackson, and they were 0-3 in the three games before Joe Flacco's injury, so I'm expecting them to keep on rolling with the rookie. And with a favorable upcoming schedule, Jackson should be on the high-end quarterback two radar. However, I'm currently unwilling to trust any of the Ravens pass catchers as he still has a long way to go as a passer but for the run game Gus Edwards was fine in this matchup with 21 carries for 82 yards but he still has yet to catch a single pass which really caps his upside as anything more than a slightly touchdown dependent running back too and on the other side of the ball for the Atlanta Falcons the struggles continue for this football team and that pains me to say you guys know that I'm a diehard Falcons fan and their offense is just out of sync and they're not reliable from a fantasy perspective. Matt Ryan has vastly declined and the offense hasn't scored more than 20 points in over four games. In four games. So the fantasy production has been limited, which is usually not the problem in Atlanta. Usually, even if they're losing games, there's plenty of offense and there's plenty of scoring going around. That's not been the case. This makes them unreliable from a fantasy perspective. And besides Julio Jones and Austin Hooper at the tight end position, there's really nobody that you can safely start week in and week out. Tevin Coleman hasn't faced more than 16 carries in a game and only reached that 
total one time in week two. Mohamed Sanu hasn't scored in six weeks and has averaged under 50 yards receiving per game since his big week four performance. And Calvin Ridley hasn't had more than five targets in three of his last four games. So there's not much going around besides Julio Jones. So the Falcons, not really trusting them going into the fantasy playoffs, even with a pretty favorable schedule. In our next matchup, the Los Angeles Rams take on the Detroit Lions and the Rams win 30-16 to in Detroit. And really, this is another team where, yeah, they put up 30 points, but it just didn't look as well as they had in previous weeks. Not something that we're going to be concerned over. All of these players and this offense is still high-powered, and you're going to continue to fire them up in your lineups with confidence. The one quick note is honestly about Josh Reynolds. We know a lot of people have been using him as a streamer option, a guy who stepped in with the Cooper Cup injury. He only had two receptions for 19 yards this week and that kills you so we hope you didn't have him in your lineup but know that he played the majority snaps I think he played he missed one offensive snap this past week so he is on the field and in this offense being on the field is really all you need to have a productive game this wasn't their best showing and a lot of it was done on the ground with Todd Gurley's 23 carries for 132 yards and two touchdowns with a 5.7 yard per carry average the passing game wasn't crucial and Robert Woods was the only one to get a touchdown. So I wouldn't really, you're not relying on Reynolds, hopefully week in and week out, but definitely consider him because this should be the worst of his weeks going forward. And then on the Lions side of the ball, it's just been a really tough year for Matthew Stafford and the Lions offense. Just 61 yards rushing for LeGarrette Blount, who carried the ball 16 times. He's just a touchdown-dependent flex option for as long as Carrion Johnson is out, even against the Arizona Cardinals this week, who have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to running backs. I still wouldn't feel confident sliding him into my lineups. And then Kenny Galladay, he caught three of seven targets for just 50 yards. But of course, it was offensive tackle Taylor Decker who found the end zone. Just another, that helps no one play from week 13 as people are trying to make a run into the fantasy playoffs but I still have Kenny G as a lower end wide receiver two going forward as he does have some favorable cornerback matchups ahead including Patrick Peterson this week and for fellow wide receiver Bruce Ellington he's definitely interesting I think he should be owned in way more leagues he caught seven of ten targets in this one and he's now caught 19 of 26 targets over the last three weeks anyone that's getting 26 targets and catching 19 of them throughout a three-week span should be on your fantasy roster and he could provide some flex value going forward and next up, we have the Indianapolis Colts falling to the Jacksonville Jaguars 0-6. to Obviously, the Colts got shut out in this one. Definitely did not expect that. And this was actually the first time that Andrew Luck has ever been shut out since entering the NFL. So definitely a disappointing performance here. But Eric Ebron and T.Y. Hilton, they were both fine combining for 18 receptions on 29 targets for 158 yards. You're still starting them every single week going forward. And Marlon Mack in the run game, he was shut down. And I'll honestly have a hard time starting him as anything more than a running back three or flex option going forward against the Texans and Cowboys over the next two weeks. And on the other side of the ball, a team that we know not to have much offense, the Jacksonville Jaguars, without Leonard Fournette produced almost no offense, scoring no touchdowns and very little yards. So with the exception of Leonard Fournette, you're not trusting anyone in this offense. Of course, Leonard Fournette, we expect him to return from the suspension and he's right in your lineup. He is a top tier running back, so you can't not play him. Besides him, though, the rest of the offense, the pass catchers, Cody Kessler, if he continues to start, just not worth trusting. The offense is... not good at best. And the one note would be 
the defense came to play. You know, the defense really showed out this week, obviously, with the shutout. But just overall, if you watch the game, their play was impressive. And that's what Jacksonville has been missing. That's the that's what they have been known for. That's what they were built on recently. And they need to keep bringing that defense week in and week out. And if they're able to do that, that's a completely different team than we've seen in the beginning of the season. And, of course, honestly, it's probably way too late for the Jags. But it would still be nice to see that towards the end of the season give you some hope that they're not so far off from what they were last year. And now we'll roll right into the Carolina Panthers falling to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 17-24. to This was the fourth straight loss for the Panthers and just another weird game here as Cam Newton threw four interceptions to a Buccaneers defense that had only recorded three interceptions on the season. Other than that, Christian McCaffrey continues to play lights out. But in the passing game, Greg Olson is unfortunately done for the season after rupturing the planter in his right foot. And this leaves Ian Thomas to take his place who caught all five of his targets on Sunday. So I do think that he's worth rostering at such a thin position. However, this could also lead to some more production, especially in the red zone for wide receiver Devin Funchess. But DJ Moore is still the wide receiver that I have the most trust in going forward, despite not doing much this week. And Curtis Samuel, who saw season highs in targets, receptions, and receiving yards on Sunday, should provide some flex value now totaling either 96 yards from scrimmage or a touchdown in four of his last five games. And on the other side of the ball, the Bucks had a pretty good day. Jameis Winston continues to be very good. Throwing for 250 yards and two touchdowns, adding 50 yards on the ground. And Godwin was the main beneficiary on Sunday with five receptions, 101 yards, and a touchdown. But Adam Humphreys has been the most consistent as of late. Seven receptions for 61 yards and a touchdown. He has scored in every single one of his past five games and has over 50 yards in each of those games. So he's been very, very good. He's been very consistent. And with Jameis Winston back in the lineup, and this offense actually improving from what you had in the first half of the season, I do believe this would continue, and Adam Humphreys should be in your lineups going forward with touchdown upside. In our next matchup, the Arizona Cardinals surprise the Green Bay Packers, at least I was surprised, with the Cardinals win 20-17. to And this offense, you're not trusting it. Yes, it was a win, but the offense just isn't good. And your real only options on this offense David Johnson who is low-end RB2 range just off of sheer volume he hasn't been really good and hasn't been too productive this season with how bad his offense has been but he even got 20 carries last week but only one reception so like he, he's getting his 20 opportunities but they're just not panning out too much in this offense like I said it's been bad and then Larry Fitzgerald you're not super excited about him in your lineup but Christian Kirk is done for the season so there might be some upside for Larry Fitzgerald going forward. And for the Packers, this was another down game for Aaron Rodgers, who has scored more than 15 fantasy points just once since week eight. I still wouldn't recommend sitting him, but he definitely is not providing the same advantage at the quarterback position as he had in years past. This whole offense just seems to have been mismanaged this year, and outside of Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, who has been great, I really don't trust any other options on this offense. Of course, the big story here is the firing of head coach Mike McCarthy. And regardless of how you feel about him as a coach, we definitely don't like to see anyone lose their job, but it will be interesting to see how this team operates going forward under interim head coach Joe Philbin. In the next matchup, the Cleveland Browns took on the Houston Texans, and the Houston Texans continued their dominant streak, winning 29-13. On the Browns' side of the ball, they were having a good run for a little while, but it just it seems to have come to an end. Baker Mayfield threw, threw for 397 yards, but with one touchdown and three interceptions, he just didn't cut it last week. 
And finally, Jarvis Landry had a pretty good game, six receptions, 103 yards. But in the three weeks prior, he totaled 100 yards, and he hasn't scored in five straight weeks. So although it was a pretty decent game, let's not pencil him into the lineup as an every week starter. He has seen his fair his fair share of struggles on the Browns this season. The one guy that you guys know that I'm a diehard fan of and who continues to kill it is my guy, Nick Chubb, and I hope you're a part of Team Chubbett. <laughs> this guy, he took a little bit longer to break out than I called in the beginning of the season, but he's been dynamite since he took over as the lead back for the Browns. He had nine carries for only 31 yards getting into the end zone, but added three receptions for 41 yards on three targets, so a total of 70 yards all-purpose, and of course the score, so he's just been dynamite the past few weeks. With games of 14, 26, 38, and 15 in his past four performances. And 14.7 was last week his worst performance in that stretch. So, so expect this to continue going forward where his schedule is not too scary with Carolina, Denver, and Cincinnati going forward. I just want to start off by saying I'm 100% getting you a Team Chubby shirt for Christmas. I have to get one of those made for sure. But we'll move right over to the Texans' side of the ball. And Deshaun Watson continues to be up and down for fantasy purposes. But he was very efficient in this game. I do have him as a lower-end quarterback one for the rest of the season. And Lamar Miller has really impressed me as of late, posting 100 or more yards from scrimmage in five of his last six games. And he scored three touchdowns during that same span. I have him as a pretty solid running back two rest of season. And I know they just activated Dante Foreman off of IR. I'm not worried about that. I think Lamar Miller has a stranglehold on this job right now and that will continue. And for the passing game, Demarius Thomas hasn't had more than four receptions or 61 yards in his four games with the Houston Texans and he's had more than five receptions just once on the season. So I really don't think he even needs to be rostered outside of really deep PPR leagues at this point. But otherwise, I don't know when you would be sliding him into your lineup. But now we'll move right into the Denver Broncos beating the Cincinnati Bengals 24-10. And Philip Lindsay made our stat of the day on our Instagram page yesterday. So if you aren't following us over there, definitely go and check that out. He's been unbelievable as of late. And for the passing game, it was definitely a down day for Emmanuel Sanders. But the news has broke today. It has been confirmed that during practice, Emmanuel Sanders ruptured his Achilles. So he will be out for the remainder of the season. Very unfortunate there. And it looks like Cortland Sutton is the only other option that you're going to be able to trust going forward. I do think he will see an uptick in targets that could actually make him pretty productive. Of course, he had a big game on Sunday as soon as I put him on my avoid list for the week. But I did say that I wouldn't be surprised if he found the end zone against the Bengals. But this is the first time all season that he had more than three receptions in a single game. So although we don't like to see a player like Emmanuel Sanders being finished for the season, hopefully this will lead to some more opportunity for Cortland Sutton to be productive in this offense. I do love his talent, but of course, catching passes from Case Keenum, who can't even be streamed for fantasy purposes at this point, is just not ideal. And on the other side of the ball for the Cincinnati Bengals, without Andy Dolan and A.J. Green, who's out for the rest of the season, there's just no trusting this offense. Even Joe Mixon, who we believe is a stud-type player, off of sheer volume, you might have him as a low-end RB2 but it's definitely not ideal, even with the soft schedule coming up of the Chargers, Raiders, and the Cleveland Browns. So, yeah, you would have loved to have this offense at full power and you'd be able to trust these guys, but it's just not the case. You might be taking a chance on Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd off a of sheer volume, but that is literally your only shot. This is the only guys 
worth even giving a chance to. And I'll be honest, most weeks I wouldn't expect much from them just because without Andy Dalton, without A.J. Green, this offense is not going to be what it was. It's just not going to be. And next up, we have the Buffalo Bills falling to the Miami Dolphins 17-21. to And Josh Allen is the quarterback one over the last two weeks. He actually has the third most fantasy points in the league over that span, regardless of position. Only Christian McCaffrey and Keenan Allen have more fantasy points. However, I'm still not confidently trusting him outside of two quarterback leagues, but he's definitely interesting going forward, especially in daily fantasy. And wide receiver Zay Jones now has at least five targets in six of his last seven games and found the end zone twice on Sunday. So with wide receiver Kelvin Benjamin no longer with the team, I do think that Zay Jones is worth a speculative ad. And on the other side of the ball for the Miami Dolphins, it's another offense that you're really trying to avoid at all costs. The only real option is Kenyon Drake. But even this past week, he only totaled nine touches. He's just a a touchdown-reliant flex play at this point, and you're not excited about starting him in your lineup. For our next matchup, we have the Chicago Bears falling to the New York Giants 27-30. to And the Bears running backs really carried the offense this week. Jordan Howard rushed for 76 yards on 16 carries, which isn't bad for NFL purposes, but for fantasy, he remains just a touchdown or bust option due to his lack of work in the passing game. However, it was Tariq Cohen who blew up. He caught 12 of 14 targets for 156 yards, and he threw a touchdown pass. I have Cohen as an RB2 rest of season, but production from this Bears team is pretty tough to have confidence in week in and week out. I do think that Mitch Trubisky is likely to be back this week, which will be more of a benefit to the Bears offense all around. I think it's a great thing for tight end Trey Burton, who's basically useless as long as Chase Daniel is in the lineup. So hopefully we do see Trubisky back on the field and we see some improvement from this Bears offense outside of Tariq Cohen. On the other side of the ball for the New York Giants, they have finally put together a couple of good performances in a row, something to be excited about for New York fans. But you still, at large, can't really trust their offense, except for Saquon Barkley, who has been dominant. I said in the beginning of the season, if he had a better line, he would be the number one back in the NFL. Skill-wise, he's probably the most talented back in the NFL. He is probably the most talented back in the NFL, and I stand by that statement. He continues to produce at an extremely high level, even on a pretty bad team. So kudos to Saquon Barkley. If you took him this year, you're reaping the benefits there, and Odell Beckham Jr. even really didn't have that great of a day. His day was saved by two touchdowns, one of which that he caught and one of which that he threw to Sterling Shepard. An actual really amazing play if you watched it. He threw the ball like a baseball. He didn't throw it like a football. He like... It just it just wasn't a full, it in there. Though. Yeah, was, but it was, was he's shot. got a cannon. He's got a yeah, cannon apparently. A so he can do it all, I guess, Odell Beckham Jr., which really isn't surprising, right? <laughs> it's really not that surprising, right? For some reason like if other guys did that, you'd be surprised. For some reason it was OBJ and you saw it for the first time and you're like, "Oh, well, you know, which yeah, yeah. <laughs> what he does." Yeah. He continues to impress. He'll but kick a field goal next besides, week. Besides, <laughs> well, have you seen his, in the pregame? He yeah, does it. He, he, he spins it. Yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, so he, he went and played um, practice with Bayern Munich. I saw that, yeah. 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 So, yeah he's so, all in there. He's, yeah, yeah. You know, all he's around. He's an athlete. Yeah, he's, he's just stud. crazy stud. But <laughs> a lot of OBJ love going on here. But he still hasn't cut it really for you this year. So let's <laughs> <laughs> so bring him down a peg, right? We got to yeah. check him. Check him. Fantasy, it hasn't been fantasy first. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but that's really it for the Giants. You know, Saquon Barkley... Odell Beckham Jr., besides that, not really trusting anybody else. We'll jump straight into our next matchup now between the New York Jets and the Tennessee Titans in a pretty interesting close game. Honestly, the Jets had to lead the entire game, but they ended up losing at the last minute to the Tennessee Titans 26-22. 
And on the Jets' side of the ball, this offense cannot be trusted. Their defense has been playing up and down all season. In a good matchup, you might consider them for fantasy because they do have some playmakers, Jamal Adams. They make plays, you know what I'm saying? But on the offensive side of the ball, Isaiah Crowell might be the only guy worth considering. He had 21 carries for 98 yards this past week and added four receptions, which only went for nine yards. But in a PPR or half-point PPR, those are going to give you extra points on top of his 98 yards. So that would have been a double-digit fantasy total. Definitely worth a flex look in most leagues, especially deeper leagues. So besides Isaiah Crowell, who could be the only guy really worth putting into your lineup, the New York Jets' offense is a complete avoid for the rest of the season. And the Titans are actually another offense that I would avoid if possible. I know that Marcus Mariota has scored 20 or more fantasy points in four of his last five games, and I still love the talent of Corey Davis, who found the end zone in this game. And of course, Taewon Taylor had over 100 yards, but if you have made it to the fantasy playoffs, it's likely that you've gotten there with other options in your starting lineups. So I wouldn't want to make any changes for an offense that's been pretty volatile up until this point in the season. And next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Oakland Raiders 40-33. to And in Spencer Ware's First game as the starter, he rushed 14 times for 47 yards and a touchdown that really saved his day for fantasy. I did expect a little bit more here, but I'm pretty confident in him as a top 15 option going forward. Spencer Ware and Kareem Hunt are two different types of running backs. Obviously, Hunt is more talented, but the Chiefs should be able to game plan better for Spencer Ware going forward. I know that they signed Sharkandrick West, but I still think that Ware will be the true lead back. And throughout the majority of Andy Reid's career, he has run one primary running back on his teams. So I think that's going to be Spencer Ware. And of course, West and Damian Williams will be worked in at times as well. And for the Raiders, finally, an impressive stat line. I mean, they did lose this game, but Derek Carr, 29 completions for 285 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Doug Martin on the ground, 18 carries for 61 yards and found the end zone. Jalen Richard on the ground had six carries for 95 yards. And through the air had three receptions for 31 yards. And in the passing game, Jared Cook and Jordy Nelson were both productive, combining for 17 receptions, 197 yards, and a score. But let's just be frank, this offense will not be trusted going forward. This is a mirage. Yes, they had a good game against a team that scores a lot of points and lets up a lot of points. So I wouldn't read too much into this point total. Besides Jared Cook at the tight end position, you're really not looking to start anybody in this offense. In our next matchup, the Minnesota Vikings fall short against the New England Patriots in New England, 24 to 10. And I want to stress the fact that they were they were in New England, and that's because Kirk Cousins threw 44 times for 201 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Dalvin Cook was pretty good on the ground with nine carries for 84 yards, but failed to get into the end zone. And the New England Patriots did a great job in capping what has been a pretty strong passing game led by Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, who both combined for 10 receptions and under 100 yards with one only one score between the two of them. A rather underwhelming stat line in comparison to... Most I mean, weeks. Some weeks they can both put that out. Yeah. So, yeah. so definitely very underwhelming, very un- unimpressive. But I will say this seems like just wrong place, wrong time. Going into New England while New England's getting into postseason form. This is right around the time where they start playing their best football. They start peaking. They do this on purpose. This isn't by accident. This is by design. This is years and years of experience going into knowing how to be perennially great. And the Vikings traveling to New England, just not a good look against a team that's clearly on a mission to be in the postseason as they are every year. And they're well coached and know what they're doing and know how to get there. So 
although the Vikings definitely had a down week, I definitely would still trust this offense going forward. And for the Patriots, it's only fitting that with fantasy owners fighting for a playoff spot, Patriots fullback James Devlin rushes for two touchdowns, just one of quite a few performances this week that benefited absolutely no one in fantasy. But good for Devlin. I'm still high on Sonny Michel going forward. His 17 carries for 63 yards would have looked a lot better with one of those touchdowns next to his name. And James White was solid in his first game with more than five receptions since week nine. I have both Michelle and James White as running back twos going forward, but of course, the return of Rex Burkhead cannot be ignored. In his return, James White played 33 snaps, Michelle played 30, and then 17 for Rex Burkhead. Definitely looks like a bit of a committee, but first and second down work should continue to go to Michelle while White soaks up targets in the passing game. And if you guys own him, then you probably already know this, but trusting Tom Brady for the fantasy playoffs is less than ideal. He scored more than 20 fantasy points just twice on the season and hasn't surpassed that mark since week six. In our next game, the 49ers fall to the Seahawks in Seattle, 16-43. And in a game where Nick Mullins threw for 414 yards, two touchdowns, it was really a pretty good day for this offense. But before I get into how good of a day it was for them, remember that they did lose. It was pretty much all in garbage time, and it's not an offense that you would trust going forward. That being said, Jeff Wilson Jr. has to be on your radar. Without Bryda in the lineup, he is going to get the majority of the work. He had 23 touches with 15 carries, 61 yards, and 8 receptions for 73 yards. So just a high yards total, high opportunity total. You got to consider that guy for your lineup. And Dante Pettis has been inc- has been improving as the season goes on, and he had five receptions for 129 yards and two touchdowns. His by far his best outing of the season. I wouldn't expect that to continue at that that high of a level, but he seems to have some kind of camaraderie with Nick Mullins. Obviously, they both started on the season as you know lower on the depth chart, probably practicing more together. They probably developed some kind of camaraderie, and it's showing out on the football field now. And for the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson is just ridiculously efficient. If you see our stat of the day on our Instagram page today, you'll see that Wilson is currently 24th in pass attempts, but 4th in the NFL in touchdowns on the season. He threw another 4 touchdowns Sunday on just 11 completions. This guy's been ridiculous, but the low volume really does make his pass catching weapons pretty hit or miss for fantasy purposes. Tyler Lockett, he caught just one pass on Sunday, but it was for 52 yards and a touchdown, so you're definitely happy with that. And Doug Baldwin had just two receptions, but one of them was in the end zone. So again, you're happy there, but that's really difficult for me to trust with confidence going forward in the fantasy playoffs. And running back Chris Carson dislocated his finger and left the game. Definitely something to monitor, but all current reports are that he'll be good to go for this week. However, I will say that Rashad Penny, over the last few weeks, I thought and I think you agree with me, Dan, has looked better than Carson on the field. So I do think he's worth rostering, especially if Carson's someone that you've been relying on. I definitely agree with that, absolutely. I do think Rashad Penny, and I think we've talked about this, and I've felt this way for a while, that I do think Penny, I see why they made him a top back. I see the skill set there. I don't understand why they haven't plugged him into that type of role yet, but maybe they're trying to ease him along. Maybe Maybe they don't think they got the value that I see in that pick, but I do think he's a talented player, and I see that. He's got burst, he's got explosiveness, and he's got what you want in the running back position. Agreed, and now we'll hop right into our next game of the week, the LA Chargers beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 33-30. to And Phillip Rivers continues to be a solid quarterback one with two or more touchdown passes in every game this season, and of course, Keenan Allen continues to be the prime beneficiary of that production. But what everyone really wanted to see here was how the run game would shape up with running back Melvin Gordon out of the lineup and Austin Eckler he led the team with 18 total touches 
But Justin Jackson was more productive finding the end zone, and he now averages 8 yards per carry over the last two weeks. There is a chance that Gordon returns this week, so that's 100% something that you need to be monitoring. But if he does sit out, Eckler clearly provides more upside in the passing game, but I think that Jackson, who was one of our top waiver wire ads at the position, finds his way into flex consideration. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was a story of two halves. In the beginning of the game, they looked great. In the second half of the game, their offense and their entire team disappeared, allowing for that comeback victory for the Chargers. And the big news from this game is the James Conner injury. Unfortunately, it seems like more serious than we were originally led on to believe. It's possible that he could miss two to four weeks. We do believe that Connor is a tough player and knows that it's crunch time for his team and he might try to come back a little earlier. That might not even be the best thing for fantasy owners and for James Connor going forward, but that might be the case. Regardless, you should be planning for the near future being without him. And obviously, Samuels is the clear favorite to take over that role. We do believe that Ridley will be getting some work being a veteran back, but Samuels is the guy that we definitely think is going to step into a larger role and somebody who is definitely worth not only an ad if you don't have him already or if he's still available, but also putting him into your lineup because although he might not offer you that top end, that top end production Connor's been offering you, he still is going to get a lot of opportunity, which is always valuable in fantasy football. And just in case you guys have not heard, Jalen Samuels, if you do play in a Yahoo fantasy league Jalen Samuels has dual designation he can be a running back or a tight end talk about upside city at the tight end position unless you have Zach Ertz or Travis Kelsey I don't think there's any other tight end that I would start let's hold on hold on if he's a starting running back he even has higher value at that position than those guys yeah like I mean that's that's the only situation I would consider it if I had Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz but Jalen Samuels, you could start a. If you could start a start extra four, running back, you start four yeah. running backs yeah, on your yeah. starting lineup. Yeah, That's absolutely. Yeah, it's upside city right there. So definitely, if you're in a Yahoo league and you, especially if it's a league where you play with a free agent acquisition budget, blow all your fab on Jalen Samuels, or hopefully you did since it's already Thursday. Sorry, guys. And in the last matchup of the week, the Monday night matchup between the Washington Redskins and the Philadelphia Eagles, the Redskins fall to the Eagles, twenty-eight to thirteen, and you can't help but feel kind of bad for the Washington Redskins with the injuries piling up the way they are. We just talked about it and you said the two backup guards that were starting because the two starting guards have already been injured also got injured in this game and were out so they're starting third string guards. That's not favorable for any team especially not one that ends up starting Mark Sanchez at quarterback going forward because Colt McCoy broke his leg after starting 4 for 4 for 50 yards. Which I honestly feel so bad for Colt McCoy. He's been on this team for, I think it's like 4 or 5 years. He's been with the Washington Redskins. He finally gets the chance to lead this unit. And they had a chance to win the division still. The you know the NFC East is up for grabs. And of course this happens. Just a really unfortunate situation for a quarterback that's been with a team for so long. Absolutely. And it pains me to see that. And uh, I'm definitely a little partial to... Texas Longhorns, and I was a fan of Colt McCoy while he was there, so I would have liked to see him step into this role and flourish, but it just didn't work out for him. And because of that, this offense is a complete avoid. Even Adrian Peterson, who this past week had nine carries for 98 yards and a touchdown, he had one 90-yard touchdown run, so his other eight carries went for a total of eight yards. So that run was really a hole in the defense that he took advantage of, not something that I would rely on week in and week out. And with this offense being lackluster, being led by Mark Sanchez, 
an absolute, absolute, if you are playing in the fantasy playoffs, do not even try it. It'll ruin your season. You didn't get here by playing these guys anyway. Yeah. So I was just going to say, if you are playing in the fantasy playoffs and like Josh doxson has been your wide receiver too throughout the season, I want to see the rest of your lineup. I want to <laughs> see how I want to see how you made this happen. Because likely this team has no part in your offense. So really shouldn't be a big issue for you guys outside of Adrian Peterson. Maybe you've been stashing Chris Thompson on your bench. But like my co-host said, just not a lot of upside here going forward. But now we'll move right over to the Eagles side of the ball. And of course, Golden Tate has a big day right after I said that you can't trust him going forward. But I am a big fan of Golden Tate as a player, so it was nice to see. He does now have seven or more targets in three straight games, which you definitely like to see. But there's also some tough matchups ahead against the Cowboys and Texans. And then for Alshon Jeffrey, he hasn't had more than five targets in any of his last three games and hasn't surpassed 50 yards since Golden Tate joined the team. So I'm continuing to fade these guys going forward despite what their performances might be. These are talented football players, so it's likely that they put up a nice performance, but not something that I'm willing to rely on, like I said earlier, in the fantasy playoffs. And for the running backs, Corey Clement led the backfield in targets, and Josh Adams led the team with 20 carries. There's clearly a limited role in the passing game for Josh Adams going forward, and that doesn't seem to be changing, which definitely limits his upside. It kind of reminds me of a Jordan Howard-esque player or Gus Edwards over on the Ravens, but Josh Adams is still the player in the Eagles' backfield that I would prefer to own going forward, although I don't think he's a must-start. I think he can provide you with a safe enough floor and some touchdown potential to make him a solid flex play week in and week out. And that is all that we have on the week 13 recap. We hope that we were able to provide you guys with some insights to help you set your lineups for the fantasy playoffs. We hope that you guys made the fantasy playoffs and we hope that we were able to give you some advice to help you get to this point in the season. Of course, if you guys are still playing, make sure you're looking out for the week 14 primer. This will be our first podcast fully dedicated to the fantasy playoffs. So we're definitely excited to get that out to you guys. That's going to be releasing on Saturday morning. And until then, make sure that you guys are following us at football. MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Heading over to footballmdpodcast.com to keep up with all of the content that we are pushing out over there. But until next time, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Mike Bowling. And I'm Dan Ronan. See you guys on Saturday.